podcast one production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen, we ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. Janine, today we're going to talk about change and innovation, which is really relevant at the moment. Who got it wrong? Because I think there's massive lessons from that. Who gets it right? And then what's stopping us in business from actually changing and innovating What's stopping us in in business, Margie, is we have always done it that way. And there's people listening right now that going, oh my God, we say that in our business all the time because that's what I'm getting all the time. People are so scared of change that they're hanging on to the past and what worked for them at the past. And so today I'm really looking forward to talking about who got it right, who completely screwed it up, and also some of the solutions to this new era that we're in. And look, let's not kid ourselves. We are the first. Yeah, we haven't we haven't got our mothers and grandparents to tell us what it was like to live in the technology age. We haven't my my mother didn't have to deal with cyberbullying. She didn't have to deal with me sneaking my phone under the bed and, and being on on text for, you know, till two o'clock in the morning or my daughter being you know told she's all sorts of things at two o'clock in the morning when when I'm asleep and thinking everything's okay. We're in a whole new new era and we need to actually do things differently but we, we're working it out we're, and so we're going to stuff it up we're going to get it wrong so I'm genuinely excited about this topic. One of the things Janine I know is that people feel overwhelmed by the plethora of change that's happening around them and that people are jumping up and saying I'm a disruptor I've innovated so it's a really it is a crazy time but you say we are the innovators we are the first tell me about that. Well, I look at my grandmother. I said to her before she died, she died at 97, Gran, tell me the biggest innovation that's happened in your lifetime. And I thought she'd say, you know, internet or vacuum cleaners or something. Now, this is my grandmother. She said the biggest innovation that she has in her lifetime was electricity. And I went, oh my God. So we have gone from my grandmother, the most significant innovation in her lifetime was electricity to where we are now with smartphones. I mean, we couldn't in a million years predict what we can actually do with smartphones and with 3D printing. And it's just blows your mind what we can do right now. The rate of change is probably what's different for us now than when your grandmother was alive. It's as significant, but the rate of disruption and change is extraordinary. So you can look every day and find something new, whether it's Elon Musk doing his boring um, company where he's he's building tunnels all through uh, for us to be able to go through LA without... Um, you know, in our driverless cars or flying cars or whatever, they're the big things. But actually in business every day, it's almost all new every day. Mm. And he's actually redefined what failure is, Elon Musk. You know, he blows up rockets worth billions of dollars. He stuffs it up all over the place. And he's good about it because he knows that he has to, to, to actually innovate. He has to fail. And people are uncomfortable with failure. So look, you know, what, let's get into um, who got it wrong uh, and the not-so-super businesses. You know, we talk about we're not-so-super woman. Let's look at the not-so-super businesses. I find in life, and if you think about your life, Margie, about the best, the biggest lessons that you learn, and I always find the lessons 
when I get it wrong, are more powerful and stick with me than when they get it right. So that's why I'm really excited about talking about some of the losers in business who actually failed to innovate even though they had the opportunity. So, okay, let's start with who got it wrong. Now, I don't think you can talk about who got it wrong without talking about borders. Now, borders was, we, we knew it, it was everywhere, it was the only place that we could ever get books. And borders was, you know, growing, it was all about, you know, massive, massive footprints with lots of books. They had an opportunity to get into the online business and they actually gave their whole online business to Amazon. So Amazon had their online business for seven years. So Amazon got to understand how books worked online, how they worked it, developed a brand in the book, in books for Borders. And Borders went over there and said, oh no, we're going to innovate into bigger stores and sell more things that people don't want like videos. So we know what happened with Borders. The other one I think is a, one that you cannot not talk about when you talk about failure is actually Blockbuster. Now, we all know when we were younger that we spent many hours in Blockbuster going through the racks of what what movies we wanted to do. But interesting, Blockbuster actually started in 85. And in 94, it was actually valued at $8.4 billion. That's an extraordinary amount of money, Janine. In 84. Yeah. And we all remember going down there, you know, getting a pile of videos for the weekend, shoving them back, you know. But what did you hate? But what did you hate about Blockbuster? Come on, the biggest thing Returning. about... Returning. No, late fees. Oh, yeah, of We course. hated about late fees. So interesting, in 1997, Reed Hastings actually took out the movie Apollo 13 and he actually took it back six weeks later and was outraged that he had to pay $40 for this video. This was in 97. A year later, he founded Netflix. Wow. So in 2000, so only three years later... Netflix was actually offered to Blockbuster for $50 million. And Blockbuster went, why would we get into Netflix? Because $800 million of our profit comes from late fees. So that ruins our model. So we can't think outside the square and go, you know, this is our model, this works. We're not going to change that. Netflix, it's not going to work because they thought that that's where you got your money from, which was late fees. So that was in 2000. In 2010, Blockbuster was dead gone. And Netflix today is actually worth $100 billion. So they had an opportunity to make them part of their business and they didn't. They didn't innovate. They didn't know how to. Let's talk about Nokia and BlackBerry. Nokia, everyone had a Nokia when we grew up. Everyone had a Black. BlackBerry was the first smartphone because we, we it was called Crackberry for a reason. Nokia was a phone... A, phone business that still created phones in an era where people didn't want to buy phones. We don't use them as phones anymore. They're an everything thing. And they they had the technology for touchscreen technology well before anyone else and they did nothing about them. And now who who the hell has, an, has a, um, a Nokia? Can I just add to that, Janine? Because I heard um, one of the researchers who'd been put on the Nokia, camp, um, Nokia research early on and she went to... China and she came back and she said to Nokia, I know your data says smartphones aren't going to be the next big thing, but let me tell you anecdotally, this is what's going on. This is what needs to be looked at. And I have these stories that sit here that you need to listen to. And everyone said, nope, the data doesn't tell us that. So there was this really interesting moment and they didn't listen to that data. So she goes around now and talks very, very exclusively about this idea of marrying both your 
gut feel, your stories that you're picking up, as well as the data to help you innovate. That's a great point, Margie, because people get so caught up in, we've done client research and this is what the answer is. It is a component that you consider. Like if you... Henry Ford does a quote where it says, if I asked what people wanted, they would have said they wanted faster horses. So you can't, people don't know what they don't want. People go, what's smart? I don't know what that is. I'm not going to say I want that. Just keep with the phone. I just want a phone as a phone, as if I'm going to take a photo with a phone. (laughs) So, you know, it it is a, a really good point when people actually look at research. And so trust your gut, be brave, have courage to actually make a difference. So can I ask you, really like to understand how did you get it right? So there was, when you started, there was, I know you weren't the only juice bar in town. Juice was beginning to be something that people really wanted to to have a juice. They were accessing juice and there were a lot of little juice bars about and then there was Boost. When I think about the biggest tool you can have in business, I always think that the mirror is the most valuable tool. And the reason being is that the first thing we do in business when things go wrong is point right? It's not our fault. It's it's everyone else's. You know, Blockbuster was saying that, you know, it's every other reason bar the fact that they've made poor decisions in, in what they were doing or poor strategies. So it's that mirror that, that make is, is, the, is where the power lies. And so for us, I was always attacking ourselves. Yes, we do research, but I didn't always go with what the research said. Um, we, you know, we recently, uh, as of last year, did a game, a, a game called Free the Fruit. And we've got another one out currently called Find the Fruit. And people are going, for God's sake, you're selling juice. Why the hell would a juice bar do a game? And the reason being is that we discovered when we sent our CIO, Chief Innovation Officer, to America, to South by Southwest, that everyone, people were over this discounting. They wanted to earn it. So we went, okay, let's create a game, have a bit of fun and see what happens. The results were that we had 56 million minutes of people interacting with our brand. Our sales went up 15% year on year. It was an incredible success story. And when you look at success stories, you cannot go past a company like Amazon. You know, in Amazon in America, and it's coming here, well, it's, it's here, but they're trying to get their, their mojo. 55% of people that go on to Google go through Amazon. It's just extraordinary. They have 80 million members in their prime membership. It, it is amazing. But the reason is that they are constantly innovating. In New York, you get delivery within an hour. They also, in some countries, actually have delivery by drones. Mm. And my daughters shop online much more than I do. I need to try things on. But they will shop online and they'll order something to wear that night. So they'll go online and the iconic, yep, it'll come. You're going to have this with your daughters, with your daughter, but it'll come. They, They order at lunchtime and they've got a dress to wear that night. So this speed and service and delivery, you know, really, really important, really important. And I know in later episodes we're going to talk about how the execution of an idea is what it's all about and how having these ideas are important. But um, what are the data points you're going to look for when you... I just want to, go, I want to go back to your daughter and standing in that dressing room. Right now, she can sit in a dressing room, put a black top on, push a button, that black top turns to green or white or yellow. She can then put that top in her bag in the dressing room, walk out, not get stopped by police and actually had that and then just say yes on her smartphone that she wants to purchase it. She can actually put that top back on the rack and then the store will email her saying, by the way, that top you tried on, it's on sale. The... The technology in retail is just getting blown 
out of this world. And if we want to stay in technology, let's talk about flying cars. Boeing and Airbus and seven other airline manufacturers are all working on flying cars. And people go, yeah, as if the, you know, the Jetsons are a long way away. Next year, New Zealand's trialling the first taxi. So it, people just go, you can't, you're kidding me. We're talking about, and really, a flying taxi is just a big drone. So that's sort of on its way. Cryptocurrency. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. Now, I when I do a, a talk, I say, put your hand up how many people have heard of it. And probably 30% have heard of it. And out of those 30%, maybe 5% or 2% have actually owned it. What I know about cryptocurrency is this. Bitcoin particularly is obviously we know is the largest the largest um, coin out there. There's 21 million of them. Out of 21 million, there was about 5 million that's been lost in dumpsters. And a guy had bought a pizza that today is worth $10 million in cryptocurrency. Ouch. You'd have to think it was a good, bloody good pizza. Super smart people are telling us it's like collecting stamps. It's, it's a cock of shit. Equally super smart people are saying it's a future of currencies. There are things like, and I own them. I own Litecoin, Ethereum, I own Bitcoin, I own Neo, I own WanChain, I own all sorts. There is something in it and people can either ignore it or they can start to find out what it is. At the end of this year, McDonald's is going to actually accept them as a currency. We were the first business in the world to actually give one away. Actually, we gave four away. So we gave four Bitcoin coins away with Boost. And when we talk about innovation, that's how we innovate. We look at what is current, what is on trend, and we go for it. I keep hearing all of this podcast, you're passionate and it's really interesting about this idea of who got it wrong and they're the people that weren't aware. So or they made bad choices once they were aware. And now I'm hearing you talk about the people who are really doing well, including yourself, are the people who are aware that things are changing, aware of the, what the innovation is out there, and then they're making a choice about participating or not, like games with um, or cryptocurrency or whatever it might be. So it's actually be curious, isn't it? Mm. You have to think outside the square. You have to think differently. Even in retail, this addiction to bricks and mortar where you have to grow your business through more stores is now a thing of the past. We've got to think of different ways. You know, a lot of these retailers have gone, oh my God, this online business is going nuts and are now really pivoting to do more online. Nordstrom's in the US have created this incredible concept store where it's just taking retail to a whole new world. So people are having to think differently because the consumers are forcing them to. So the end of the day, business is really simple. Find out what the customer wants and give it to them. The customer now demands their retailers or their businesses to actually deliver for them innovation because they aren't standing still. Their technology isn't standing still and they want the companies to go with them. And whatever industry you're in, so my industry, which is about team development and executive coaching and learning, I've actually invested in a business called Driven, which is all about online coaching through self-assessment and helping you become more resilient. Yet I'm a face-to-face coach. So I don't have the ability to create this amazing thing that um, I've invested in has been done. The technology is way beyond my comprehension, but I know that it's a component of the future as is face-to-face. So actually that's the way that I've looked into it. E-learning is dead. So uh, for a long time, a lot of people invested 
a lot of money in that. So being aware and being agile, I know that word's overused in different ways, but I think that that's really important, these messages of being aware being curious, being able to be a bit agile and flexible in the way you think about your business and actually what's at the centre? The customer. You actually make a really good point and the point is it doesn't actually matter what industry you're in. People will be sitting there going, oh, that doesn't mean I don't need to innovate because it doesn't affect my industry. Because the consumer has changed, every industry has to change, whether you are in your industry or whether you're in my industry, you have to continue to innovate. And Janine, my 92-year-old mother's in the cloud she uses an iPad. I was she about borrows. to say, I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. She's, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's not in that cloud. She's in the technology cloud. She uses an iPad. She borrows books from the local library um, on BorrowBox through her iPad. And people who say, oh, that's not for me, that's rubbish because everybody um, needs to embrace this idea of innovating or, as you say, you're fucked. So the interesting thing with this this topic is, you know, really people think that they can't afford to innovate and pay for technology, but the reality is you can't afford not to. I think the, the key thing with businesses and people is you actually have to have a curious mind and find out and listen what's out there. And if you sort of want to put your head in the sand and think that, you know, Oh, it's not for me, it's for everyone else, then you're in serious trouble. You have to innovate or you're fucked. One of the things that people I coach talk about is working on your business or in your business and how you spend that time. Mm. And so in your business, you have to be working on your business and having that curious mind. With that curious mind, I did some research on what was stopping us. I was actually really curious of what, why, why are these barriers to innovation? Why are these barriers to change are out there? And there's some fantastic data on that. And I'll, I'll just share with you, I'll just share with you some of the things I've found. There was five key points of why innovation is hard to actually embrace. The first one is one that would be no surprise to anyone is fear of change. You know, people go, well, it's not broken. Let's not fix it. I've done it this way. I'm comfortable. You know, God forbid if I want to do something different. So you would come across that a lot in your, in a lot of the women you're working with lot of the people you're working with, I should yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, change means things are different. Change means I have to change personally. And sometimes if we don't have the energy for it, then it's really easy to resist. But that which we resist persists. And, you know, we really have to embrace the fact that change is a reality. So if people say, oh, I've got change fatigue or change is big or, oh, everything changes really exhausted me. Actually, change is really what happens every day. As you always say, it's how you approach it that's the most important thing. So then you get them to change. So finally, you've got them over that hurdle. The next problem people have is something I call white noise. And the reality is there is so much technology, ideas, new apps, new things that can make their life so much easier that they actually don't know where to go. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. It's overwhelming for me and I'm sort of probably more into it than most people because everyone promises the world. Everyone promises that it's going to be more proactive, it's going to solve your problems, it's going to give you more time in your life and it's going to save you money or make you billions. So have you got any thoughts on how do people work out where to go or, or which innovation to pick up? If we think about back to my example about Nokia, where we just looked at the data and the promise, then 
that's probably not enough information. And I would actually encourage people, crazy as it might sound, listen to your gut instinct. Test it out with a couple of those people on your personal board, those people that you're trusting and advisors, and do your research. So how many times have I invested in something off the back of someone saying, this is going to be great? Do your due diligence, really, and find out and have a go yourself. Like um, going into a store and everything's bright and shiny, actually, that looks great. It's being sold to you. But then ask the questions how you practically might go about applying this. And if it doesn't feel intuitive and it doesn't feel right, then ask some more questions. It's interesting you mentioned uh, you go back to, you speak to people who you respect and you you, you take on their advice to go down that path. Because we speak in other another episode about reputation and how you can develop that reputation where people then rely on that reputation to actually make decisions. The next one that people are getting stuck with is regulations and also the need to act fast. So what we're finding is technology is starting to catch up, but people are going, well, hang on, how do I deal with that? Cryptocurrency, people are going, oh my God, how do I deal with it? Is how do I use it? Is it uses security? Is it is it a currency? Is it not a currency? How do, how's the law? Is there an insurance? Do I, can I insure for losing it? You know, so regulations and law and the systems and processes around all this technology, people can't catch up. Airbnb is a classic example, isn't it? Classic, classic. Mm. So we embrace that. And if we take that a little bit further, the idea was around for a long time. Airbnb were the only people who really executed it in a way that made it really easy for us, very friendly and simple. Yeah. Um, we had swapping houses and all sorts of things before then. So Uber's another one, which is, uh, you know, the government was charging thousands and thousands of dollars for licences and they were doing it for free and they're going, oh, shit, how do we work this one out? Uber's really interesting, actually, because it, on a couple of fronts, it, it grew exponentially. People went, this is fantastic. I can see when my car's coming around the corner. I know how much it's going to cost me to get to my destination. There's not a lot of guessing here. And so the government struggled to catch up didn't they, when the taxi drivers were being charged hundreds of thousands of dollars for their licence and I could jump in my own car and drive anyone around and earn a few extra dollars and also give a great service. Yeah, and the same with Airbnb. You know, you've got your own house and, you know, this double-sided marketplace it's called where, you know, you've got Airbnb and you've got Uber who neither of them actually own cars nor property but are worth probably more than most businesses out there. But they've actually got this this industry where you can actually yourself rent your place to me for Airbnb but then they're going, well, hang on, how does that work with insurance? How does that work with neighbours? How does that work with, you know, tax? Look, how does that all work? So technology is speeding along, which which enables all these businesses to do that. But the regulation just can't keep up. I like this idea that we go back to from an earlier episode, Janine, where you talked about spending two days a year or, you know, could be every four months on the business, thinking differently, taking a different perspective, planning, but not just tactically, really strategically. And that's not where I want to be, big blue sky. What is the environment telling me? What is going on out there? And actually going to a conference like South by Southwest, really powerful in actually hearing those ideas and then making up your own mind and spending the time. You actually make a really good point. And, you know, that's in the planning episode that we talked about. But if you sit down and you go, because we get so caught up in the day-to-day, don't we? You know, because there's always every single email comes through, there's a problem to solve or someone to talk to. But those planning days to go out pre-prepare so you know what 
the challenges are out there, you know what technology is out there, you know where you need to go. And that's when you can actually really embrace it. So that's a really good point. And I totally agree with that because, you know, you feel like you're a rat on a wheel that you're just too busy just doing than actually thinking and planning. And innovation is part of planning. So innovation isn't about being in your business down to the very last detail, which is important to do, but it's actually about being able to look up, get above helicopter view and actually see what's going on around you. Correct. And look, to summarise, I think people are so fearful of change that they're nearly petrified into doing nothing. But people should really be more fearful of not changing in this current world. And and you know what? You're going to fail, but be okay with that. Be kind to yourself. You know, fail, but fail fast. Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill, produced by Brooke Carrigan, audio by Darcy Thompson.